and then they saw me in a bra, and that was exactly. it. What's going on, Pearl Jam nerds? Happy New Year's. You are listening to Single Podcast Theory. We're your hosts. I'm Brad Lyons. And I'm Brad Blazek. Welcome to the new year. It's now 2018. Yes. We're starting Man. a new year, bud. It's crazy. Um, what is this? We're uh, four months now? I four think months so. Old? I think yeah. Because I think it was the beginning of September, right? Is when we started, like the first first week of september uh yeah i think it was was the fourth i think so all right this episode we're going to be talking about pearl jam's new york city new year's eve 1992 performance at the academy um i can't wait to dig into that one but we're going to do some emails first um actually let's do this first because we didn't do it last time because we i know we have um a lot of new listeners you can tell by our numbers. It's been really cool to see um, the amount of downloads for uh, each current episode, each new episode, and then to see that it's only half of the downloads we're getting each week, which means people are going back and listening to all the ones that uh, they missed out on. So that's pretty awesome. How do you feel about that, Brad? We've got over 25,000 people that have, you know, or 25, over 25,000 downloads. At four months. It just it blows my mind. I've been listening to podcasts for years and always wanted to do one. I know. And always thought like, well, I mean, I know a couple people in my family probably would listen, you know? Sure. And a couple super fans out there. But to get like five or six or seven or eight hundred downloads in, in the first day. Right. When a when an episode drops, it's it's just mind boggling. <laughs> it's pretty fucking cool, man. <laughs> yeah, I try not to think about it too much because then I start getting oh, I, kind of self conscious. I do too. Um, just trying to keep it to you and I having fun. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, because then, I, well, I listen to the episodes usually um, either when you send them to me or like Monday morning. I'll just listen to it through the app, and I just like. Like, oh, I should have said this, or I should have said that, or, you know, just constantly berating myself. (laughs) (laughs) Flogging yourself emotionally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm like, when are they going to figure it out? I'm a fraud. (laughs) We're frauds. I know, dude. I have have imposter syndrome of, like, everything in my life. Yeah. Like, with music... I, I every session in in the back of my head, it's like this is the session where someone realizes I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Right, right. my career is over. Yeah. Um. Well, yeah. Speaking- and then we get like really good emails. Dude, I and love like, the emails. I know. No, I love them, but I, I love them I'm so much that I'm yeah. like, these people should be doing the podcast, not me. <laughs> I know, right? Um. <laughs> No, it's it's funny how that has turned into. I mean, I never thought. Well, first of all, I never thought we'd get as many emails as we get. Number yeah. two, um, 
I never thought it would become kind of the m- most fun or most important part of the show in some ways, you know? Right. I mean, I love digging in, digging into whatever su- subject we pick for each episode, absolutely. But it's cool to, like I've said before, see something pop up in the inbox and and read it real quick, you know? Yes. Yeah. It's, it's nice. Yeah, it's so fun. So thank, thank all of you guys that have written in and all of you that have listened. I um, hope you stick with us into the new year. If you want to reach out to us, our email address is singlepodcasttheory at gmail.com. Our handle on Instagram is at singlepodcasttheory. For Twitter, it is at Pearl Jam Podcast. Brad's got a lovely Facebook page going for us. Um, and then you can also listen on YouTube as well. Uh, we're available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, all that, all that good stuff. Um, so drop us a line on the socials if you get a moment. Follow us. Um, we kind of keep everyone updated on what's going on in our little corner of the Pearl Jam universe. So, um, you ready to get into some emails, dude? Sure. All right, cool. So the first one is a correction. Was it correcting last week's episode? Yeah, when we were talking about the Christmas singles and Angel, Angel, I, I, I mentioned that they only played it four times and then i remembered no i think i said eddie played it solo but it was actually the band performed it at the telluride festival okay and then we got this email yeah because we're wrong sometimes yeah which i'm totally okay with yeah um this is from mark young i believe this is his first email as well um he says hey guys first off great podcast been listening faithfully since about october Thank you so much, Mark. Um, he says, not trying to be a dick in my first email to the Bradlingtons, but I was fortunate enough to see Angel Live just last year at Fenway on uh, Fenway number two on 8716. He says, Ed played it solo during the first encore, I believe. It was introduced as one for the serious collector or something like that. Definitely a great show to hear. In my opinion, it was, it was the better of the two nights. Most people seemed relatively surprised to hear it. Anyways, keep up the great work. I won't bore you with my top tens or fave songs because I doubt anyone cares that much. I disagree with you because I care. Um, Love this band overall and so much of their stuff is gold to me. Take care, dudes, and keep on rocking in the free world. Sincerely, Mark Young. Um, Well, thanks for the correction, dude. Appreciate it. Yeah, I was... Go go on. I was just going to say, if that's you being a dick, then... You're a super nice yeah. guy. <laughs> yeah, no, that was. I, I wrote him back. I told him, "You're not, dude. You're not a dick." Um, yeah. I was so surprised at that because I'm, I'm pretty sure I watched the both Boston shows on like Periscope. Yeah, um, and pretty much the whole 2016 tour, I watched a lot of it on on Periscope, and I just completely don't remember them playing Angel. In yeah. Boston, but I mean, he's he's right. I I looked it up, and like, I just was surprised at that, which is cool. You know, I'm like, I'm kind of a nerd when it comes to their set lists and yeah. like the rare songs, and like, oh, they played this, you know, certain song five times, and then they brought it back ten years later. You know, so I was blown away that I completely missed that, especially because, um, like on Facebook. When they played it at Telluride, people went nuts. It was all over Facebook and other, like other rare songs that they do. Sure, you definitely would see it if you followed any of the pages on Facebook. So right. I just I don't know how I completely missed that one. 
Well, so. you're fired, Brad. Okay. Well, <laughs> you're you're supposed to be our live bootleg know-it-all, dude. <laughs> I know. I'm just kidding. Um, they, see, I'm I've, I'm found out. I'm a fraud. <laughs> you fraud! <laughs> I can't believe I ever associated myself with you. See. <laughs> Uh, thanks again, Mark. Thanks for yeah, listening, thanks, dude. Buddy. Uh, what you got? Uh, Bill G. wrote in. Um, he says, "Hey, uh, hi guys! Finally decided to write in. I've been listening pretty intently and have only two episodes before I'm all caught up. This nice. podcast is a lot of fun. Thank you. Oh, thank you, bro. We have fun doing it. Um, I figured I would share my Pearl Jam story with you." I was only 9 or 10 when the band exploded on the scene, and even as a young, naive kid, I dug the singles from 10. Though it would be a few years before I really took a deep dive into the grunge scene and rock music in general, I really gravitated toward these hit makers of early 90s rock. I guess I only really listened to what my parents listened to, which is more on the Billy Joel or Phil Collins side of things. But I could tell Kurt Cobain and Eddie Vedder, even Scott Weiland and Billy Joe Armstrong, were setting trends and really connecting with people with this powerful music. I admit I was raised in a conservative household and remember being turned off by the pro-choice statement Eddie made on the Unplugged show and by politics in general, far too young to understand any of it. I kind of turned away from radio and rock for a few years, trying to be a good, untempted teenager, and was listening to nothing but oldies and film soundtracks. After a while, though, I began to get sucked back in by the hard rock, punk, and ska that had become pretty mainstream by the late 90s. One day in 98, a friend friend offered me and my cousin a chance to get Pearl Jam tickets for their Yield tour at the L.A. Forum. My love of the 10 singles and memory of footage from early shows had me sold on going. My cousin and my cousin and the other friends I went with were disappointed and not really into the music, but I remember leaving feeling pretty floored. I obviously was ready to sing along and cheer to Jeremy and Evenflow, but I remember thinking how every song they played kicked serious ass. I was impressed and changed forever. My cousin happened to have his friend's copy of Verses in a CD book, and I remember borrowing it, no, stealing it, and listening to it over and over and over and loving every single fucking second of it. I remember thinking, I have no idea what album this is chronologically. The only songs that were slightly familiar were Daughter, Dissident, and Elderly Woman, and every other song just blew me away. It still remains my favorite album of theirs. I started collecting the others up to that point, with Vitology being the most challenging at the time. I found No Code and Yield to be easier to digest somehow, and slowly but surely all these albums would truly grow on me eventually. Now I consider myself to be now I consider myself to be a pretty obsessed fan for life. And I don't want to pull rank and say I'm a bigger fan cough cough, but I feel <laughs> like I'm so in love with this band I enjoy even the weird shit. Sorry. And the tangents they have gone on. And now also align with their politics almost 100%. I don't always listen to Bugs or Stupid Mop, but I kind of love them in their own way. And I'm and to hear so many songs, Push Me, Pull Me, Soon Forget, even I'm Open. I knew it. <laughs> uh, to hear so many songs like those... 
called turds. My fragile heart just can't forgive such language. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Just kidding. You guys crack me up and remind me of other Pearl Jam fans I've encountered over the years. I ended up getting another cousin of mine into the band big time, and we definitely nerded out the way you guys do. Thanks. uh, Well, thanks, you two. Plus, Clint, he's hilarious for the awesome shows. The Pearl Jam safe space. I love that. (laughs) And something to look forward to every week. Keep it up. I'm sure I'll write in again to agree or disagree with something you said. Till then, Bill G. Bill G. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, man. I love love people writing in and giving us their, like, Pearl Jam life story. Yeah. Like, how they got into them and everything. It's cool to – it's cool now because, you know – 15 years ago, most of us were like, had the same story. Like, I was in high school, you know, they hit at the perfect time, and I was a huge fan. Right. But now it's like, there's, you know, there's people that are in their 20s and 30s that got into them all different kind of ways. So sure. it's, it's pretty, I, I love hearing these stories. Yeah, so. I especially love the ones with people that kind of came on because of their age and when they were born a little bit later. Yeah. Because one of I believe one of our listeners that wrote in last week, I apologize, I can't remember which one it was, but said something about oh I think it was Chris Davidson that lives here in Birmingham that um, I know he uh, he was talking about because he I think he said he's twenty nine mm-hmm. and that there was that kind of like post grunge copycat um, backlash that happened right. you know what I mean where people yeah. of that age weren't there for like the inception and the the kind of breakout of grunge and the original right. bands or whatever. Yeah. And and by that time, you know, there was the caricatures like I think he even uh referenced like Nickelback and Creed, especially right. Creed obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Um and how if that's when you came in at that time, if that's your point of reference, then I probably wouldn't have liked Pearl Jam either. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it's every it's generational. I mean, sure. we went from the hair bands to grunge, and right. then grunge to like emo and new metal. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it, it just shows you that some of the bands rise, you know, rise up to the top. Yeah. There's still some of these bands are still around, and Pearl Jam's one of the biggest ones. Yeah. Well, and you know, even the the people that he that um, Bill just listed in this email, obviously Kurt and Scott are gone now. But um, you know, Billy Joel, Billy Joel, Billy Joe, um, you know, Green Day and Pearl Jam are still kicking ass. Yeah, and and while Kurt and Scott are gone, their music definitely still is out there. You know what I mean? It's not like forgotten stuff. STP is still out there, you know, doing their thing. You Absolutely. know, they just they just announced a new singer not too long ago, and the 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 couple of songs I've heard, he sounds he sounds pretty good. You know, yeah, man, I got to see so. um, the new the you know the current incarnation of Alice in Chains when right. I went to go see uh, they opened for Guns N' Roses in uh, Las Vegas. they for they did two nights in Vegas that. Uh, I got to go to before they started touring again, and they fucking kicked ass. Yeah, I wish so you know, good. I, I saw them in Nashville, but they didn't. Allison Chains wasn't wasn't at that show. It was a 
uh, some country guy, and I wish it would have been Allison Chains. Yeah, no shit, man. You know, that's so cool. Yeah, he's he's good. Uh, but, you know, he mentioned he did mention Billy Joel also. Yeah, he did. I was about his, to say his, something. But. Yeah, his parents listened to. I mean, I like I like Billy Joel and um, uh, Phil Collins. Phil, Phil Collins, yeah. You know, one of my favorite artists ever is Stevie Wonder. Yeah. And I remember one of my earliest memories is listening to Stevie Wonder with my mom. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I couldn't have been four or five years old, but you know, some of those songs are incredible songs. So, oh, dude, <coughs> yeah, that I dude, mean, it's dialed in. Yeah, it's you know, it's you, it's cool when you start listening to your own music, yeah. but you know, people shouldn't feel like, well, I can't listen to my parents' music. I mean, some of that shit's awesome too, you know. Yeah, yeah. So. I was I was never a Billy Joel fan, and I'm still not. I'm not yeah. saying he's not talented or whatever. I just it's just not my bag. But Phil Collins, oh my god, yeah, he's a badass. Oh, um, I watched. Um, have you seen this um, documentary? I think it's called Hired Guns. I haven't on, watched it on yet. Netflix, but it's all about like the studio musicians. Yeah, and man, Billy Joel comes off as a real dick. I mean, I think he probably is. I've heard that before, but you <laughs> never really kind of had confirmation. Sure. But his his like longtime drummer pretty much just got unceremoniously kicked out of the band after like twenty years. Yeah, I remember that. And he's he's a a, a pretty big part of this documentary. And holy shit, man, it really paints Billy Joel as just a huge dick. But you know. Who well, knows? you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> I still like his songs. That's fair enough. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, cool. Man, thanks so much, Bill. Thanks for writing in, dude. Yeah, thanks, um, bro. I got a quick one here, a YouTube comment um, from our friend, <laughs> The Cooge, Gecko Cujo 76 and he gave us his uh, favorite, least favorite list. So I'm going to I'm going to do that real quick. Uh, here we go. So for 10, his favorite is black and his least favorite is once versus favorite is rear view mirror. Least favorite glorified G man. I love that song. Um, yeah, let's see. Vitology favorite is corduroy. This one hurts so bad. Least favorite <laughs> is last exit. I know oh. over, over bugs or yeah, I uh, don't know. foxy mop handle mama. I mean, Last Exit is definitely... I mean, I'm well, you biased. Know what? I th- what? Yeah. I think we didn't count Foxy, Mop, Handle, Mama. But That's still. That's true. That's true. I mean... I but I mean, know. Last Exit is one of my favorite Pearl Jam songs, period. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see here. No Code. Favorite is Who You Are. I think it's the first time we've gotten that from, from No Code. Yeah. Um, and then Least Favorite, Mankind. <laughs> not Not the first time. <laughs> <laughs> Not the first time, exactly. Uh, let's see. Yield favorite is "Given to Fly" and least favorite "Push Me, Pull Me." No surprises there. Let's see. Binaural favorite, nothing as it seems. Least favorite, insignificance. Man, yeah, I I could flip flop those two. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like I I wouldn't see. I couldn't even flip them. I don't think like nothing as as it seems is not my favorite. Yeah. But it's definitely not the worst or my least favorite. Shouldn't say worst. Um, let's see here. Riot Act. We've got favorite. I am mine. 
Least favorite, Bush Lager. Uh, avocado, favorite parachutes. Least favorite, comatose. I'm hearing uh-huh. some echoes of Brad B's list yeah. over here. Backspacer, favorite, on thought known. Hell yeah. Least favorite, Johnny Guitar. And then one of the most confusing ones for me, too. <laughs> Lightning Bolt, favorite, is my father's son. Hell yeah. Yeah, I'm least good with favorite, that, but... Mm. Mind your manners. Yeah, come on, bro. Mind your manners. <laughs> you mind your manners, Cooge. Putting that as Sleeping your least by favorite. by myself. Woo. Yeah. Um, all right, cool. Well, he thanks, also, We, um... Or I, I did. I com- uh, expressed some concern about the show dropping on Christmas, and people probably wouldn't listen to it till a little bit later in the week. Right. And he he messaged he com- commented he was listening on Christmas. Yeah, I saw that. So I was like, cool. There's awesome. one. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> no, we've been fine. This is our our <clears throat> first first holiday season, and it's going well. Uh, See, so you got another one, right? Yeah, Danny from Danny from Melbourne, Danny. Australia. He says, "Good day, good day, mate. Uh, loving your work on this podcast. Seriously enjoying the varying opinions of you guys and your listeners. Um, you know, I've been watching a show on Netflix called Glitch. Okay, and it's from Australia. Oh, really? Yeah, and so like I keep like thinking." I wonder if any of our listeners from Australia are that watch this show. What oh, is it good? I mean, I like it. What it like? Or really? So we don't derail too far. Like, what? Give me a really quick like synopsis. What it's, is, it's, what's the deal? It's modern day, okay. and a bunch of people in a graveyard crawl up out of their graves, and they're perfectly healthy and alive from the point that they died. Graveyard science fiction. Yes, yeah. I'm in. A mystery. You don't. There's no. There's no rhyme or reason why it's happening. Okay. And it's cool because some of them. One girl is like she died two years ago, but another dude died a hundred years ago. And there's uh, varying time people when they died. Okay. So it's I'll pretty check cool. it out then. Glitch. It's glitch. All right. Glitch, mate. And they all say mate to each other. I love it. <laughs> hey, mate. You all right, mate? Come here, mate. It's awesome. <laughs> All right, I'll check it out then. Um, all right, Danny, back to Danny. <laughs> Danny K. Uh, yeah, Danny. Danny K. I don't yeah. know what his last name is. Kingham. Kingham. Mm-hmm. All right, Danny K. As you would no doubt know, Pearl Jam have a pretty massive following, as you say, down under in Australia. Yeah, and we do too. I was about to I say, that's yeah. like we. A lot of our listeners are in Australia. A lot of our listeners. Do you know where they come from? Parker. <laughs> they come from the land down under. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> that's a great song. Okay. Though. Hey, oh yeah. Uh, I have had so many amazing Pearl Jam memories. A few that I wouldn't mind mentioning. Firstly, I remember hearing a ten CD. As a 14-year-old and being totally blown away by the power and energy of this band. Within 45 minutes, I was Pearl Jam for life. Everything else at the time, e.g. Nirvana, just paled in... Oh, sorry. Just paled into insignificance for me. I see what you did there. <laughs> uh, the fact they did no music videos, etc., just made them more interesting and appealing. 
opening up the Vitology CD for the first time as a teenager and looking through the booklet and thinking, what the fuck is this weird shit? But then I heard Last Exit for the first time. Holy shit. And then Corduroy. Damn. Not for you, Tremor Christ. I just love that album. Um, seeing them team up with Ben Harper at, oh boy. Um, we'll say I, Etihad. Yeah, Etihad. Etihad? Et, Etai Hade. That's how they say it. Okay. <laughs> Etai Hade Stadium in Melbourne in front of 40,000 people to sing Red Mosquito together and cover Under Pressure. I love Under Pressure, dude. Yeah, man. Um, he says Goosebumps. Eddie also did a brilliant Throw Your Arms Around Me cover, a great Australian song. I think that's the split end song I was trying to think of last last uh, episode. Throw Your Arms Around Me. Is that okay. Neil, Finn? Neil Finn? Neil Finn, yeah. I think. It's a great song. Whoever sings it. Um as the email's title suggests, one thing I am somewhat surprised by is the seeming lack of love out there for Glorified G. Some people rating it as their worst song on verses. Come on now. I love this song and always have. Without becoming too political, I like the fact that Eddie appears to be taking the piss out of gun owners. Is it true Dave A. bought a gun and Eddie got pretty pissed off about this and this is partially what the song is about? But honestly, it's just a kick-ass song. Um, I've heard that story, and I'm pretty sure it's it's in Pearl Jam in the book Pearl Jam 20. Okay, that Dave Dave came in was talking about buying guns, and the the line about actually I bought two, you know, is in the lyrics. So, man, which I always thought was like, I mean, he's obviously like, I don't know, making fun of or putting down Dave. Right. I mean, how. I don't know. Wouldn't that yeah. be weird? If you're in the band and he's singing that song, making fun of you, wouldn't that be weird? Yep. That'd okay. be super weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just makes me wonder, like, the more we kind of dig into some of this stuff, and I was even thinking about it, um, you know, watching this the show we're going to cover, um, this episode on YouTube, and seeing them, you know, it's it's New Year's Eve, 92... And they all seem to be getting along. I just wonder, yeah. like, when when it happened, you know? Because yeah. if that yeah. story is true, then, you know, it was already pretty tense in the making of verses. So, right. oh, man, I can't. As someone that spent a lot of time out in the road and in and, and some pretty, like, not healthy situations as far as like with relationships people that you have to live with for weeks and weeks at a time that just sounds miserable to me man yeah well the one i mean maybe dave was in on the joke and was cool with it maybe you know what i mean sure and it wasn't that big a deal um but i think i think it seems like when verses came out and exploded that is probably when things started going bad because i've 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 heard the story a few times about um just like dave really wanting to be a rock star and the rest of them were like no we need to calm down and slow down and he was like he went out and got the tattoo he bought a car and he wanted to, to be jumping up and down with them and they were just like back to business right and i feel like that was part of where it probably started at Maybe, but I don't know. 
but that's just that's just what do you call it uh speculation speculation and rumors i don't know sure <clears throat> all right danny goes on with his top 10 albums he's got binaural at number 10 danny <laughs> uh riot act number nine number eight avocado number seven backspacer number six lightning bolt number five yield number four no code number three verses number two vitology and that leaves number one ten yeah he made up for binaural <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, it is, cool, it is yeah. cool seeing a list though that um where lightning bolt and backspacer are further up on the list you yeah know? yeah that's cool. Yeah, the the rest of his list I'm good with, but he he goes on to apologize for binaural. Um, I still love it. I just don't come back to it as much as the others. I find Rival really interesting and keep coming back to that. But some of the others on there, like Breakerfall, Nothing as it seems, and Insignificance, are a little flat for me compared to their other records. Hmm. A, right. That's a, a different take, but yeah. hey, we're, I, that's everyone's got an opinion. This and is true, Brad. Everyone yeah. literally has an opinion. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So his he then he goes on with his top ten songs. Number ten, last exit. Number nine, in my tree. Number eight, given to fly. Number seven, black. Number six, why go. Number five, glorified G. Number four, hail hail. Number three, alive. Number two, porch. And number one, corduroy. Hell yeah. That's, That's yeah. a strong fucking yeah, list, man. Yeah. It's those are pretty much pretty much all rockers, yep. you know. Um he says honorable mention to Nothing Man, which is like a total 180 from the rest of the list, <laughs> sure, but yeah. That's, you know, again, I won't say it. Uh <laughs> he says keep up the great work, Danny. Good deal, man. So, Thanks, dude. Thank you, well, Danny. Just for the record, Danny, I fucking love Glorified G. I do too. I, I I wonder if it's you know we've we've read a lot of top ten song lists. Yeah. Um. I bet it's. I bet it jumped out at him on there. Sure. So. Yeah, man. I mean, that's a. I I just remember being a teenager, and that was, and it still is, a really fun song to play on guitar and a really fun song to play on drums. It's just a cool song. Yeah. Uh. All right. Last one from my own homeland, Birmingham, Alabama. It's always good to hear people in my city that listen to oh, us is this, this is one of your fans because you're your local fame oh yeah i'm super famous here dude <laughs> dude it's been really hard and especially since this podcast it's yeah. you know i can't go to the grocery store i can't right. it's, just, it's just rough Do you wear like like beetles wigs incognito all yeah. the time dude and like a big giant insect mask yep insect mask yeah you, you guessed it <laughs> um this is from clark here in Birmingham, Alabama, he says, Just discovered the podcast and couldn't be happier that y'all are based here in my hometown of Birmingham. I'm the only... Oh, uh, sorry. I'm only one episode in, and I can't wait to see what's coming up. I first heard 10 when I borrowed the cassette from a friend. Stood in line at midnight for the release of Verses at the now-defunct Vinyl Solutions, which was located in the same strip center as Shangri-La on Montevallo Road in Eastwood. I know exactly where that was. I actually went to go get... Uh, Versus and Vitology at uh, Magic Platter. I was my parents let me, you know, be out after midnight, and uh, stood in line and. 
got those records. I will never forget that. Dude, you should have said you snuck out. Um, dude, I totally snuck just, out. Just look, it's just yeah, the problem yeah. is, man, is that my parents listen to this podcast, oh, and I just God. don't want to get in trouble, you know? <laughs> Thanks for blowing I, dude, it. I hear you. You blew it. <clears throat> um, let's see here. <laughs> he said the same thing for Vitology, I think. So my first PJ show in 94 in Memphis. I remember when that happened, and I couldn't go because I was like, yeah, I was too young. Um, you should have snuck out, dude. Snuck out, snuck you out should to, have. to Memphis. Yeah, have been really easy to cover. It's, what's that? Four or five hours. Yeah. Um, let's see. Eddie started getting super political around Riot Act, and I just had to let the band go. It's always been about the music for me. It's fair enough, but I will say I think he, I think he was pretty political from the very beginning. I don't think it took till Riot Act, but um, I was gonna say I think um, I think it was more of the the climate of the country at the time was way more political. So yeah. it kind of sure. magnified what was going on with the band, right? But I I agree with them. I mean, they. I mean, I don't know. I agree with them. Yeah, but I um, didn't let them go. I couldn't. I couldn't do it. You just couldn't let them go. I, I, <laughs> um. All right. PJ Twenty comes out and sweet mother of all that's holy. I've missed out some, <laughs> on some good stuff. My wife and I have been mainlining Pearl Jam ever <clears throat> since, nonstop, twenty four seven. Caught Bonnaroo last year from the soundboard, and then hit both Wrigley shows for her birthday. Balled like a damn baby during release on night mm-hmm. one. So yeah. did the six other friends that <laughs> met us up there. So we, did I. <laughs> yeah, man. I can imagine, dude. Um, yeah. We have friends that like PJ, but not like us. Glad to know there are some others out there just around the corner from us. Looking forward to diving in over the next few days. Thanks again, boys. Clark Verdon. Thanks, Clark. Maybe yeah. we'll maybe we'll run into each other somewhere around the ham. Yeah, appreciate you writing in, man. Um, all I got, right, I got one more thing. Oh, you got one more? Cool. Yeah. Um, on Facebook, um, Danny Danny B wrote in. Danny B. <clears throat> he said he uh, just listened to the bagel take on mankind, and I was mm-hmm. blown away. Um, I felt like Stephen Hawking would have said. Wow, that was an intelligent take on that song. (laughs) (laughs) I got to say, I loved this live version. Um, He's talking about the Jones Beach 2000. Yeah. Um, But I kept staring at Stone's pants like a car crash where you can't look away. (laughs) Dude, I swear to you, I'll find the picture and I'll send it to you. Maybe I'll even put it up on on our socials. I've got... uh, I'm trying to remember which pants he was wearing at Jones Beach, but I have, I used to have a pair of like kind of like dark brown fading to like a light cream color plaid golf pants <laughs> that I would wear when I played. Yeah. Oh, With just dude. like, like, I think I, I don't know, maybe black boots or in, <laughs> in a black t shirt. Yeah. And I've got pictures. Of a show that we played, um, I'd already started working, but as a musician, but me and the bass player, who's still one of my best friends, um, and our friend Brian Hayes, we did like a three-piece power pop trio project, yeah. and we were playing this shitty club that's still there. It's the, it's like the shitty cu- club that I love playing in Nashville, right? Um, called the End. It's across the street from Exit Inn. Oh, and I saw. Oh, yeah, I was there last year. Really. Yeah, I saw um, Four Years Strong and a bunch of other bands. Yeah, man. 
The Death Plate, and it's tiny. It's crazy how small it is in there. Yeah, but it's so fucking loud and awesome. It's yeah. just so much fun to play. Yeah. Um, yeah, total shithole, though. Um, oh, yeah. I, and the sound dude, guy back then, and... his name is Brad, and he was yeah. just a dick. Oh, right. Um, anyway, <laughs> but yeah, I got a picture of me in some very Stone-esque pants, golf now, pants. Now, what were you going for? Were you? Was it like... Were you wearing them out of irony, or were you like, I'm going to look so badass but, with these pants? Uh, I think... Or a little both. Maybe a little bit more on the right. irony side. Right. Okay. Just still, not taking myself too seriously, I guess. But you, you at that place, you you probably fit right in. Probably. <laughs> I mean, but this was probably, what, 2002? Yeah. So, so I was a young pup. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think I was still trying to fi- figure my shit out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah, I gotta see. You gotta send me those pictures so I can put them uh, on uh, Facebook. Maybe I'll post them or something. Um, yeah. Anyway, yeah, and the picture that I'm thinking of, uh, the lead singer Tony, we're singing a song that he wrote called "I Hate Your Girlfriend," uh, and he was burning a he had lit a Barbie doll on fire on stage. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry to. I totally just digressed from what we were just talking about. No, that's cool. Um, Kate Kate Cotton said, I too was very impressed with Patrick's analysis of mankind. Kind of made me feel like a dick for giving it so much shit. I think I have a newfound appreciation for the song. Emphasis on the word appreciation. (laughs) (laughs) It's, It's still not moving its way up on any of Kate Cotton's ranking lists. Thank you. Thanks for your eloquence, Bagel. Yeah, man. So... I just wanted to shout out to Bagel on his his take on mankind because I loved it. Hell yeah, man! No, I mean Patrick is. I mean, there's lots of our listeners that do, but Patrick pretty consistently writes in with like dissenting opinions, and you know, at the very least, makes me go, "Hmm, I get it." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, yep. If not, like again, I think the same is where Kate's coming from. It's not now become one of my favorite songs and he wasn't trying to do that either he even said right. in his email like is this the best thing ever recorded no right. but here's you know some more thoughtful kind of analysis on it and i i fucking dug it it makes me listen yeah. to that song different now yeah totally um was well, it time dude i think is it's it time, time for the academy show should we count down should we do a countdown like to midnight <laughs> Five, four, three, <laughs> three two, two, one. one. Ah, we're <laughs> drunk, but not really. I don't know what that voice was that I just did. Yeah. I think it was me trying to scream, even though I can't scream into this mic, or it would blow up the speakers. Should I just like, ah, Happy New Year! <laughs> what if I really talk like that? Yeah. <laughs> would we still be friends? Would we have you a like podcast? A David, you got like a David Lynch thing going on there. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Welcome yeah. to Single Podcast Theory. I'm David Lynch. It's got a little bit of like that like 30s like news <laughs> yeah. announcer thing yeah. too. Hey, what do you know? It's Single Podcast Theory. <laughs> <laughs> what do you say? What do you know? What do you know, kid? <laughs> FDR, polio, crazy. <laughs> I live Look in at one my of those pla- Hoovervilles. <laughs> Look at these plaid pants. Aren't they the bee's knees? <laughs> the bee's knees, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Woo. I like it. Um, that's the cat's pajamas. Yeah. 
right, so New Year's uh, Eve, 1992, New York City, the Academy. The band is still young and fresh-faced. Yeah, full of beans. Full of beans? <laughs> full of beans, yeah. Oh it's the 20s. God. It's the Roaring Twenties. We're all full of beans. <laughs> Not in that accent. That sounds really weird and inappropriate, and I don't know why. Have you never heard that before? No. Really? No. Yeah, back when I was young and full of beans. <laughs> I don't know that, what that means. I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, like, literally, like, I don't... Yeah, right. Like, I don't know. I'm That's one look, of those... I'm going to have to look it up. Yeah. Um, Urban right. Dictionary. So, is there anything we want to say, or are we just going to get into the track by track? Uh, let me give you a, a couple of things. Um, this was given away in 2006 if you bought... The self-titled, the avocado CD from Ten Club. Nice. There's a Ten Club version where, like the the regular retail version, it's just like the CD booklet just opens up like a trifold CD. But the the Ten Club version is like a booklet. If that nice. makes sense, yeah, like yeah. you open the, it's like a hardcover kind of booklet, and it, the um, the bootleg CD of this show came with that avocado CD if you bought it from 10 Club. And actually, it's still available right now. If you go on to their, you know, ProJam.com to the to the store, oh, it's, cool. it's still on there. Hell yeah. Um, the show was, they showed, uh, you know, it was the CBS New Year's Eve, like, Dick Clark's rockin' CBS Entertainment, whatever. Oh, Dick Clark. Right. I don't know if it's Dick Clark. I think he's ABC, but whatever. It was CBS. Sure. Showed a clip of Sonic Reducer. Um, and I think that's when Eddie is talking about, like, oh, is this going to be shown on yeah. at Times Square? Like, fuck you, Marky Mark and Madonna. Yeah. So, um, but yeah. And this was, they were opening for... I bet you know. Keith Richards. Keith Richards. Yeah, just just went out of my head. Yeah, man. <clears throat> um, man, it was... I just... General statements. I love... I, it kind of makes me realize that I haven't gone bo- back to some of these like really early shows in a long time. And it kind of hit me the way going back and watching Unplugged again hit me. In the sense yes. that, that, I mean, not just that so much time has passed and human beings change and whatever, but just the dynamic of the band in, like, this era that leads into versus Vitology, No Code era, which was two different types of angry, if that makes any sense. Definitely, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, this, like, leading up to Versus was energetic, and uh, even though you're not talking about some vast amount of time that's gone through, but there's this youthful energy to these 91, 92, even 93 shows, and then it's almost like you could use something like the animal performance on the VMAs or something um, as, like, this different type of angry this like boiling under the surface kind of angry that was coming out of eddie you know what i mean right oh yeah yeah 
Whereas this one, they're still, they still seem like they're having fun. Right. You know? Yeah, it's like a youthful, not anger, but youthful aggression. Yeah. And it's by like, the time Versus and Vitology are, are out, they have – it's that youthful, like, I don't know why I'm angry. I'm just angry. But when Versus and Vitology were out, they were angry about the business and the fans and all that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everything but, man, started catching up to them then. Yeah. The first these, – these first two years of touring were just – just – it's insane. Well, it was fun, too, to, to go back and watch – a show when, you know, at a time when the band has, you know, limited material to pull from and it's an opening slot in in a little club slash theater and it's just an hour long set list. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, that's the set list is something that they still to this day that is something I love so much about this band. Like you just said, like they didn't have much material. So they would play like covers and new songs and and b-sides right you know and that's like man that just shows you like these guys are fans you know they know what it's like to see a band play the same 12 songs over every and over night yeah. yeah so they would mix it up like crazy and it's it's i don't know that's one thing that i love about these guys Hell yeah. Well, then, and even taking... I mean, we'll just kind of use that to jump into the track by track, but... Sure. Opening with the, the fast version of Wash. regular version is i love that song yeah and i always have since i first heard it as a high schooler you know um but then to hear that fast version on a night like that just i don't know man it goes back to what you're saying about just kind of keeping it fresh and not giving a fuck and not being too precious about things like uh let's open our new year's eve set with a b-side in 1992, where, yes, they had picked up a lot of fans, but it's not like you had as many, quote-unquote, like, super fans, I would imagine. Right. And not st- only is it a B-side, it's an alternate fast version. Right. It's not you even know? the one that the people that have heard it are familiar with, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, because like, it's like when I, saw, um, when I saw them in Milwaukee in 95, they started playing this weird, slowed-down just almost like a jam and it wasn't till like the third line that eddie sang that i realized it was a slow version of jeremy right and it's like so and i've heard jeremy for four years sure so these people probably had only heard wash a few times and then they hear this like super hopped up version of it it's just i don't know 
It's, yeah, man. It's just a cool thing. Well, and I love that they oh, the first two songs, number one, are kick ass and are not like Pearl like we Jam said like songs. staples. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Because I have like in my notes for Sonic Reducer, uh, you know, following his fuck you, Marky Mark. Right. Uh, flipping the bird or whatever with his toboggan on. Um, <laughs> Where's the camera? Which one's the camera? Is this the camera that goes out to uh, Times Square? Say hi, everybody, in Times Square. I got a message. Okay, I'm on Times Square, right? On that screen. So that means Marky Mark is right there, right? For all of New York, I want to give Marky Mark the fucking finger. You know, fucking Madonna, Marky Mark, anybody can drop their pants, take their clothes off in the middle of a room and get attention. Are you a fucking musician? Are you a singer? Let's see some fucking talent. Fuck off, Sonic Reducer because yeah. it made me this is another song that I've always loved but seeing this performance of them at that time really kind of you know did it for me yeah it's, it's fucking well, great yeah Mike is doing his madman running around the stage you know yeah like cra- crazy and he's still this is still the uh <laughs> the uh, Leonard Skinner roadie days. Oh yeah, <laughs> he's like he's beanpole skinny, full of beans, and full the beans. long, the long straight hair, you know, yeah. and the Stevie Ray Vaughan hat, which comes on and off as he flails around. He is you know? unhealthily skinny. Right. Yeah. Got that that Chester the molester stash going. Right. I think. <laughs> But Eddie's doing that thing where he's leaning up against Jeff's back. Yeah. Because Jeff plays like kind of squatting, kind of leaning back. And I think that just gave like Eddie a perfect spot to position to back up to him. Right. And he's doing that. And, you know, um, I got to say it, he was wearing that hat the whole time. Yep. Up until this point, and it comes whipping off. And, dude, you get that. That Eddie Vedder '92 hair, yeah, dude. And I'm just like, yes. But then Eddie. he puts it back on. He puts it back on, and at one point, he fucking takes masking uh, tape. Yeah, yeah. That was like after, tapes it. 
That was. I wonder after uh, alone, I think, but. Yeah, he well he yeah because he he put it back on after Sonic Reducer and I don't know what that what that was. I I, I wish we could pick his brain about what was the deal with the hat because. In those days, a lot of times he'd come out wearing a hat, he'd start whipping around, and it would fly off, and, and that was just it. Forget about it, yeah. But this, he, it pretty much stayed on all night till the, till the very end. Well, now, now you got to think, bud. He's in New York City, and mm-hmm. it's cold up there, and right. you, don't, you know he don't want to catch cold. <laughs> you don't want to yeah. have cough, dude. Cold. It's that simple. Yeah, he's just trying to keep his noggin warm, man. Okay. Well, I read a I read a review of that night where somebody went real deep psychologically about oh, really? about the fact that he <laughs> tape taped the head. Yeah. Oh, it, it people was, astound me. Oh, dude, it was crazy that he was trying to push back at the people that think he was like sexy. So he was oh. trying to cover up his sexy hair because it was just too much for the crowd. Eddie's too sexy to cover up the sexy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. You can't cover up the sexy. I'm too sexy for my hat. Oh, I was hoping that <laughs> I wouldn't send you down that road. The second I said it, I was like, it was like the little cartoon dialogue bubble yeah. was out of my mouth, and <laughs> yeah, I was trying yeah. to grab it and push it back in, but it was too late. I couldn't help it, dude. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's one of the things about Sonic Reducer 2 is like, <clears throat> that you know, not just that performance of it, which is fucking stellar, but right. Um, I mean, it sounds like a Pearl Jam song. It's like right. it's like Jeff Buckley doing Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah. It's like uh, it's kind of his song now. Right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that sounds yeah. like if they had put that out and just said that they wrote the song, totally right. believe it. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like uh, Am I Evil? Metallica doing Am I Evil right. for, for for thirty years? Sure. It's just, um, it's their song now. So then they go straight into Why Go. They don't yeah. take a fucking break. Or, yeah, they didn't even pull back the brakes. <laughs> they didn't even do a slow burn to open. Nope. You know? Nope. I mean, I think that's the thing that I was saying earlier. It's a one-hour set list. They don't have as much material as they would end up with, and they just fucking go for it. Yeah. They just are on 10 the whole fucking show. Well, and uh, another review I read from... Uh, 
Five Horizons talks about, you know, they're they're this is '92. They're mm-hmm. still a pretty young band, and they're opening for Keith Richards. Yep. I mean, that's I'm sure if not the whole band, at least Mike has you know got to be in his mind going crazy. You know, sure that he's opening for the fucking dude from the Rolling Stones. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's it's incredible. So, well, and, but the whole band is on fire. I'll say this real quick. I, I mean, watching this performance, I texted you earlier. I miss Dave A. Like, he is like the secret, you know, secret agent watching this show because I've heard this. I've heard this bootleg a lot over the years, and I didn't know there was video till like three days ago. Right. So I'm watching this, and they keep cutting to Dave because it's not a bootleg. It's it was filmed, I guess, for CBS. So it's like full production, and they keep cutting to Dave, and he is just he's just a monster on those songs, you know? Yeah, I mean, I I mean, because I was watching it too when you texted me, and yeah. I was thinking the same thing, man. It's like, I keep... It's just so funny how... Like, I watched that, and I was like, nope, Dave A is my favorite drummer. Right. But then, I'll, you know, a week from now, I'll be listening to something else or watching something else and be like, yeah. no, Matt's the best. Yeah. And no, then, dude, it goes back to what we've been saying since we started. It's it's the generation. Dave was perfect for those years. Jack was for his years, and, and uh, Matt is now. But, man... Watching Dave play those songs on New Year's Eve, where they're fucking amped up, it's incredible, and well, it just it just makes you like nostalgic for those days even more. Right. Well, and it's so cool. Already at this point in '92, you know they're playing "Why Go," which wasn't a single or whatever. The crowd knows the words. Yeah. Um, and then they they kind of move into even flow. pertaining to what we were just talking about um that and maybe i just got caught up in a moment but as of right now i'm still gonna stand by it those 10 era songs have never been like that was dave a's bag man Mm -hmm. i'm not i'm not making any judgments about other drummers i'm not saying that i mean 
everything happened the way it happened. But man, my favorite versions of Evenflow by far live, and I would even say alive in a lot of the Ten Era stuff, it's just not as good as when Dave A was doing it. There's right. just something about his groove and his tempo and um, and the band even <clears throat> I remember them saying at the time one of the reasons why they re-recorded Evenflow um, is that they felt like they had finally gotten it right with Dave A behind the drums. Right. Yeah. And it makes total sense because you know, 10 not only are they all kind of mid-tempo songs, that record but they're also done and this is typical, you kind of slow songs down in the studio a little bit and let them breathe or whatever um, but he, I think with Dave for songs like Even Flow especially, the, that perfect tempo and he's such a groove drummer right? Yeah. Um, it just I just watched it today because um, I've been listening to it but I watched the YouTube today, and right. it just feels so fucking good with him behind yeah. the kit. <laughs> yeah, and you know, and with yeah. Matt, it's still great, but it's yeah, too it's, fast. It, it's it's it it's not taking nothing away from Dave cruising. Sure, but for a lot of people that grew up listening to these dudes when they hit, a lot of what we heard. Was bootlegs like sure. you'd listen? You'd listen to ten, and that's great. But you wanted to hear the bootlegs, and you'd listen to. I would. This is my my thing. I would listen to those bootlegs over and over and over. So to my ears, I'm hearing Dave A playing those songs over and over and over. You know what I mean? Sure. And the other thing, which it shouldn't matter, but you cannot deny that Dave A looks like he is having so much fun. Oh yeah. Where Jack looks like jack looks like he's in pain and matt <laughs> matt is just kind of like uh serious concentrating face yeah. and it shouldn't matter you know what i mean and mm, i yeah I, I get what you're saying but i disagree i think that a lot of people i think you can still be quote unquote like true to the music and blah 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 but you still uh a performance is about the visual aspect of it too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. there's a certain level of showmanship that has to go into your performance. Now, yeah. some of that can be fabricated and and choreographed dance moves or whatever. And if that's your bag, that's fine. But a band like Pearl Jam, while they might not have wanted all that comes along with the fame or whatever, they never uh, Stop caring about putting on great performances and shows right. for yeah. the fans, and uh, that's why they're such a huge live band. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like Eddie's yeah. going for it, Dave is going for it, Stones jumping around all over the place. Like, yeah, and he's doing that head bob. I'm doing it right now. I'm bobbing, yeah. <laughs> bobbing, bobbing. And it's not contrived, <laughs> but that is their aesthetic. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Um, and Dave's just got you know he but looks yeah, like. He's Animal back there. He's got no yeah. shirt on. Yeah, yeah. smoking just at one point. Murdering it. Right. Um, well, and then I wrote down on for Evenflow, Mike fucking McCready. Yeah. Because uh, that's one of those examples of his solo section 
Um, it's a little bit longer than the record version, but it's not yeah. fucking six minutes, which right. I kind of get bored I, of. But I, I wrote I wrote the same note on a bunch of these songs, where I wrote just proper version, no extended jam, mm-hmm. because like even flow and daughter and uh, like alive, they're not eight minute versions. Right. They're they're basically the the record the you know album versions with a little flair but sure. nothing like nowadays, you right. know, which is cool. You know, I it's cool it. to to see them in those you know, full of beans versions. <laughs> well, I would like yeah. I mean, <laughs> fucking yeah, dude, just get in there, knock it out and get out. You know what I mean? Yep. Like yeah. I love that. Um and then alone. love this song man yeah like i this is just like a personal take or whatever but i wrote i wrote such a good song how did it not end up on an album like right like they had leash already right like fucking take leash off the record and put alone on there yeah and i guess i mean i'm not really complaining it's just a a preference no there's there's definitely a reason why most of their B-sides or whatever became Lost Dogs. Right. But there's a few shining examples of of Lost Dogs that should definitely be on the album. And yeah. Alone is one of them. I mean, Alone is it's a perfect early era Pearl Jam song yep. that could have fit on either of the first two albums. Totally agree. Yeah. Um and that's this is this is when he puts the masking tape around his head. Yeah, as well. and, he, and he's doing it. He's doing it while he's singing that outro right. to to alone. <laughs> he's just standing up there by himself. The band has has shimmered out, and he's singing those last two lines while he's wrapping gaffer's tape around his head. Yeah. It's just like I don't, he was going for something that night with that hat. Don't know what it was, but no. Hey, well, he was matter. cold. He was cold. He was cold. Oh, that's right. It's, that's right. It's simple. Uh, let's see here. Garden. I'm 
Slow it down a little bit. Yeah. I know it's not one of your favorite songs, but I do love getting to hear this song live. Oh, um, yeah. And I, I did one of my notes here. I wrote that Stone is... I don't know what made me think this during this particular song, but I just wrote that in general, I feel like Stone is such an underappreciated guitar player. Like, I know Pearl Jam fans love him, right? Yeah. And I know at different points in their career, he, he and Mike have been touted as as great or whatever. But yeah. uh, I still think to this day, you know, the way he approaches the riffs he writes, well, just writing in general and, and how he plays, he's still one of the best out there. And it's 2017. Yeah. You know? yeah. I th- yeah, I think he gets overshadowed because when you think of Pearl Jam and guitar, you're going to go to Mike first yeah that's the easy choice it's like right it's like everyone loves the quarterback you know right yeah um anyway but i love that performances of garden i still think like not until uh let's see probably oceans it's almost like everything's just flawless yeah like there's no you know weird parts of solos that he kind of goes off the rails a little bit Eddie's voice sounds strong. Um, you know, Stone's in it, Jeff's in it, Dave's in it. Um, they totally could have made this like a proper, um, I don't know, live record. I mean, yeah. I know it's available to get and all that stuff, but you know right. what I mean. Yeah. Um, I wonder if there's a cleaner video of this out there, because that YouTube video is pretty rough. Yeah, I was watching it on my... We just got a new TV, and I've got this, yeah. like, 4K, you know, right. uh, TV screen, and it just, like, looks yeah. like four big pixels the right. whole time. Yeah, it's like two complete swipes with Vaseline over your screen. <laughs> you know, it's it's very, it's very what mushy. What a weird analogy. <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> I still don't know that I totally understand it, but I get it. Just go... Polish your screen with Vaseline. Why would I do that? Just to to get the is analogy. that a thing? No. Oh, but okay. that's what it looks like. Yeah, right. Okay, that's what this video looks like when you watch it today. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> okay, Gardens kick ass. Yeah. Um, and then at the time it was called Brother. Now yeah. we know and love it as Daughter. There's a new song called Brother. <laughs> Oh, this is 
zones just plain electric, just clean. There's no uh, whatever that guitar is that he uses now that doubles as a, like an acoustic electric. The the AX20. Yeah, exactly. Yep. The GS. R- the G- fifty-seven GS gold top. Yep. Uh, and the song is pretty much intact. I mean, as yeah, far as the, the the recorded version, you know, the uh, chorus is a little different. Yeah. Because he's saying, "Don't call me brother." Right. Um, and there's a there's a some of the lyrics are different, but I can't understand what he's saying the different lyrics from the daughter version but it starts out the same sure um i don't know I, to think about that at the time must have been a nice little little treat for everybody yeah and this is another note that i wrote just going back to like no extended jam mm-hmm. there's no tag right. like these days there's th- the song is is 6 minutes long and then they go into they tag it with with a whole different bunch of songs yeah. so again it just it's just cool to see the um the meat and potatoes from, yeah version. well just the the historical thing of how these live versions have progressed over the years sure yeah um then we have the oceans oops the song's called oceans one two three Whoa. That's how I have, yeah, it. I don't have it written down on my on my paper. <laughs> Oceans, oops. I don't know if he was messing with the band or what that was. Cause no, I think he skipped the song. Uh, I mean, obviously, you think so? Yeah, because he he turn he sings the first. If I, I don't remember, know, right, he sings the first like part of the line, and I think I think Stone jumps in with the first chord, but like. They're not all on the same page. Yeah, and, and I don't know. Kind of like laughs and looks over I, the Stone. That's I what I was gonna say. I I take it as he's doing it as a joke on the rest of the guys because he does it real fast, like one, two, three, four, and then he starts to sing, and then he like laughs, like haha, I was fucking with you guys. I don't know. That's how I take it. No, I think he fucked up. Okay, <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> I mean, cause that, I mean, that's easy thing to happen. Like you're all, yeah. Like I mean, I've I've done that before. Like you're playing yeah. and you're just fucking jazzed, and you skip. You look down at your set list and you you skip one. You know what I mean? And, yeah. And but everyone starts to, in the wrong song. But, to to super analyze his reaction. Mm-hmm. His reaction isn't, oh, I fucked up. His reaction is like, I was messing with you guys because he's. But that doesn't make any sense because it's not even a good joke. Well, to me, anyway. I, <laughs> You're wrong, Brad. You are wrong. Probably. I'm just kidding. I'm going to be. No, gonna that's interesting. Found, found, I'm going to be found out. Because I never. <laughs> you fraud. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's funny. I never thought of it. I mean, you know, every time I've seen that or listened to it, it just in my head is but like, oh, he fucked up the set list. He does say, we're not playing Oceans tonight. Yeah. Which that makes it sound like yeah he did fuck up right i don't know i i just i want to get in his head but then they did um well it's a dirty <laughs> frank we ain't doing oceans
like I've always yeah. thought like if I wanted to know like if some in some parallel universe Eddie ended up the lead singer for the Red Hot Chili Peppers I feel like right. that's what this is right you know what I mean oh yeah yep um <laughs> I love that he puts you know talking about the serial killer bus driver and he says yeah this is a great that's a great job for a bus driver the song is about bus driving it comes from Staten Island Which is so fucking true. Like yeah. one of my favorite things to do out on the road was would be to go up to the the driver's area while they're going down the road and close the curtain to the to the front lounge and open up the window at the captain's chair and smoke cigarettes in the front of the bus and just pick the brain of whatever crazy ass bus driver we had. Yeah. And some of it was really cool because you ended up finding out like, oh yeah, like one of the guys had just gotten done with the Red Hot Chili Peppers Foo Fighters tour. And so you get to hear like all these kind of like cool bus stories of, like Dave Grohl or whoever, you know what I mean? Right. But then sometimes you have some dudes that are super fucking scary. Oh, yeah. And you're in your bunk. Well, we had to fire a guy one time. Because really? he was he was not sleeping during the day. So, like, if everyone doesn't know, I guess, how it works is that, you know, you drive, usually bus call is around midnight, depending how far you're going to the next city or whatever. So you just kind of hang out at the venue or go get drinks or whatever in whatever city you're in, and then you come back at midnight and get on the bus, and the bus driver has been sleeping all day, and then... Uh, then they drive while you sleep, and you usually wake up at the venue the next day, right? Um, but the key there is that they're supposed to be sleeping during the day. And so I remember being in my bunk with this one bus driver that we had never had before, and laying there and kind of feeling the bus drift, and then you hear those giant bus tires hit the rumble strips, oh, and then it kind of drifts back into the road. And after, like, the second night, we are all, like, opening up the curtains to our bunks and looking at each other, like, fuck is going on so the next day we get to the hotel and he's left and he comes back through the lobby while we're on the lobby with the case of natty light under his arm no way it's like motherfucker <laughs> you're gonna kill us yeah oh shit. so he wasn't sleeping he would stay up during the day and drink and that's he was like fucking falling asleep at night terrifying wow. dude wow Anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to go off on that tangent. I just oh, dude, that. I like it. Tales from the road. Tales from the road. That's a that's a scary one. Though. It is, man. Jeez, that's a terrifying thing. Like going to sleep at night and your hands are in someone else, or your life is in someone else's yeah. hands on a fucking yeah. giant tour bus. You know. Yeah. Anyway, um, it seems like last couple years there's been a few different bands. Um, that have been involved in some pretty rough accidents. Well, that's the thing with the buses, man. Like, there's usually not a mild accident with a bus. Yeah, you know, like yeah, it means you've ran off the road. I mean, I have. I luckily it never happened to me, but I definitely had friends in other bands that, um, you know, woke up to being tossed around the bunk area and yeah crawling out a window and the bus being on its side oh, God. In, in the median kind of thing yeah you know? 
So yeah, it's terrifying. There's man. um, have you ever heard of this band, The Ghost Inside? They're kind of like a metal core screamo. Right. I've heard of them. I've never heard them though. They they had they were in a pretty pretty bad wreck. Um, where a couple couple people died. I don't think any of the members of the band, but a couple of the members lost. Like one dude lost a leg. Another dude lost like half his foot. Yeah. I mean, it's just you know. All that travel is no joke, man. Yeah. Um, you think there'd be more instances of it? Yeah. You know. Well, but. luckily they've really kind of cracked down. Yeah. Over the years with, um, and you know, it's a upside of technology. It's like. Because if they drive more than eight hours, it's considered an overtime, overdrive, right. and then yeah. they get paid more. And so you went through this period where bus drivers were like, yeah, I wanted the extra money. Right. But it's right. like, no, dude, you can't drive for 15 hours. Right. And no sleep, yeah. you know? So yeah. now people have to, to pay for a second driver if they're going past a certain amount of time or distance or whatever. And they can track, you know the odometer on the on the actual bus and know whether they're kind of fudging the books and stuff like that yeah so it's a lot safer well if i mean if if pearl jam's looking for a bus driver it's all you single, bud. single podcast theory at gmail.com you'll drive you, and i'll cook. i will drive yeah i've got a class a i've been driving for years i'll make some badass bologna sandwiches I'll, in the yeah. front lounge <laughs> I'll get them there safe. Some Lay's barbecue potato <laughs> chips. Um, all right. So, yeah, yeah we were talking to bring about it down. Dirty Frank. Um, yes. But oh, then, and, uh, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, it's the lyrics. Eddie, like, fucks up the lyrics so bad. It's great. He basically sings the same, like, first verse Again. for every verse. <laughs> <laughs> it's so great. With little snippets of the correct verse lyric. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, he Snippet. gets it right once, you know. Right. <laughs> uh, so then they do play Oceans. One, two, three. First time in the show where Eddie's struggling a little bit on those high falsetto notes. He totally backs off the mic the first time around. Um, but other than that, I mean, that's kind of where they, after that song, is where they do the shout out uh, to Keith for having them open. And I just remember thinking, like, you know, Eddie making the comment, like, Mike wouldn't be here, you know, without kind of the influence of. of great guitar players like Keith Richards but then I sat there thinking too like they just got done with a deep cut off their first record after a B a kind of a goofy B side and if someone could have gone if someone could go back in, in time 
and tell them like hey guys um, it's about to be 2018 you guys are still one of the biggest bands ever and you as a band are worth around 300 million dollars that would probably blow their fucking minds oh yeah you know when I was looking up that number, because I sat there, I was like, I wonder how much that band is worth, like as an entity. Yeah, and right. it said $300 million. And Ed, Eddie alone <laughs> is worth $80 million. Just wow. Eddie. And then I looked up, and they, those Wrigley shows, they yeah. grossed. Now, of course, there's a lot of expenses that come out of this number, but they grossed $5.5 million from those two shows. Jeez. Holy shit. Can you imagine someone being like, like, I mean, I thought I was badass getting paid, getting paid like $500 a show and traveling right, a, sort, right. a tour bus. You know what I mean? Yeah. Someone yeah. going like, oh yeah, you're going to play tonight and you're going to make at least a half a million dollars just for getting yeah. up there and playing songs you like. Yeah. Oh my God. This, this list that you looked up to see how much they were, how much they make. Uh huh. Like Pearl Jam Inc., like how much it's worth. Right. Was um was single podcast theory on that list? Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, good. Oh no, no. They send us <laughs> I mean, you know, don't be coy about this. Pearl Jam sends us financials every quarter, you know? <laughs> We're really tight. I just I haven't got my check yet, and I it might be because of Christmas, like the holiday, everything shuts down. We're but... gonna we're gonna have to edit this out because you've just totally fucked our credibility <laughs> with the fans. <laughs> All right, I'll do that. <laughs> yeah, the okay, snap there. Yes, <laughs> I was trying to classic figure out the VO fuck, trick. What the fuck were you doing? But then I like realized. Yeah, man. Um, <laughs> all right, cool. So then they move into a live. turban towel on eddie's head yeah 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 i think he lost the hat yeah and, and wrapped his towel went, around his head yeah um it was like i mean i don't know i mean not because it's not great but it's just like a classic i don't have a lot to say about that performance yeah. of alive it's just well, a classic I, performance you know? i just go back to what you were saying about them shouting out keith obviously if it weren't for keith asking us we wouldn't be here tonight but... There's another reason that's much more important. If it weren't for Keith, Michael McCready wouldn't even be here tonight. 
We're happy to be here. We're happy that you're here. We're happy to be alive. He did that thing that he does in the early days where he kind of tries to pump up alive. And he did that thing about, like, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Keith Richards. And we're happy to be here. We're happy you're here. We're happy to be alive. Yeah. Near, 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 near. <laughs> I, I love, I love when he the little like quotes that he would try to kick into alive because he would try and make it like he wasn't about to announce alive, right? But he'd always like punch gotcha. it with alive, yeah. right? And then you know, stone. <laughs> well, thanks for saving me some work, dude. I don't even have to edit in, you know, the intro riff to that song now that you sang it so perfectly. Oh, yeah. That's, you're good. You're here for me, bud. I appreciate it. <laughs> um, all right. Leash. Drop the leash. Drop the leash. Get out of my fucking face. Eddie Dad. finally unleashes those locks out of their cage. Holy shit, dude. The hair comes out. The hair comes out. The angry face comes out. Yeah. His, like, eyebrows and cheeks go up, you know, when yeah. he's, like, screaming these words. Um, I mean, there's so many, like, classic screenshots from this song that just epitomize Eddie in the in 91 92 sure you know what i mean mm-hmm. so well ed seems like he might be getting a little tired on this song <laughs> you know what i mean like he kind of stops yeah. moving around as much yeah he's all sweaty um he's, I mean, he's still kicking ass but um and his hair you can definitely tell his hair looks different than from uh sonic reducer it's definitely like Sweaty, and not as not as swoon worthy. Oh yeah, as man! But earlier, just the just the the sexual energy has been released. Yeah, from his yes. his hair. You know, the sexual beans are out out in, out of the cage, the, dude. Yes, Woo. being um, shook over the stage, which is a good thing because it's not my favorite song. And I mean, yeah, it's cool, but whatever. It's, um, I, you know, I'm kind of coming around on that song, but it's the same time. For me, time. it's getting worse. Oh, really? <laughs> like I was really kind of like, can I just skip this song? It's it's to me, it's the lyrics. The lyrics get me. Yeah, they're, it, they're just so like over the top, and I've said it a million times, but they're just like, okay, we get it. You're 15. You hate your dad, right? You know, because other than that, like it's still not the best song. But I mean, the melody is cool. The yeah. band, you know, is kicking ass. But um, but I do like the line about um, what is it? I'm no guide, but I'm by your side. Yeah, that's that's a pretty cool line. That's true. Yeah. Um, 
And then we move on to porch. One, two, three, four. We're at the this is One, two, three. Leave a message we start. Put everybody's heart start. Tell me my deal is good. Be my time by you. Would you get me with you? Would you get me? played stranglehold right before before just a little snippet before porch and then mike grabs the mic and calls ted nugent a stupid idiot or something like yeah that. i didn't want to play that they forced me to play it i think ted nugent's a stupid idiot that goes for all vegetarians And if Ted Nugent was standing right here, right now, I'd look him in the eye and say, One, two, three, four. <laughs> yeah, which is, I don't know, nowadays, like, it's pretty out there that Ted Nugent's politics. Right. But 25 years ago? Yeah, I was trying to wh- think about that. I don't remember being aware of his politics at the time. But- right. That could just be because I was a kid and wasn't really paying attention to stuff like I do now. Right. You know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that kind of that kind of dissipates, and then. And that that wasn't on. That's not on any of the CDs or bootlegs or. Right. It's only on this YouTube version. Right. Um. You know, it's a bunch of classic stuff. I, th- I think pretty quickly Jeff hits the floor. You know, he's got to fall down at least one show right. or once a show. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. There's no rafter climbing, but he obviously does crowd surf. And it, it made me wonder. I was wondering, like, okay, so we get through two different headdresses with Eddie, right? He finally, yeah. it's leash. He he takes the towel turban thing off, and he's sweaty, and it's getting towards the end of the show. And then he puts on a leather jacket. Yeah. And I'm like, what are you, why are you putting on a leather jacket? And then he crowd surfs. Let me posit this to you, Brad. And it made me think of Pink Pop. And it made me think of interviews early in the day where he would say, you know, he talked about, it might even be in PJ20 or something where he talks about getting, like, just having scratches all over his back from people grabbing him. I wonder if he put that on so that he could stage dive and not get ripped to shreds by people's fingernails. I bet I bet you're onto something. Finally, we've gotten into Eddie's head. Finally. He put uh, on his, his, his crowd surfing armor. If right. You will. Yeah. Um because I did think that was weird. I was like, why would you put a leather jacket on at this point? Yeah, because and, and he's kinda like during Stranglehold he's wearing it. And yeah. he's but he's kinda like stalking and he, he doesn't even sing, but he's like stalking in front of the microphone. Mm-hmm. With this leather jacket on, right? You know, and he does the he does the um, he he again going back to like alive. He always does this with porch too. Like he would say, like I just want to say one, two, right. three, da-da-da-da. and this one he says, um, and if Ted Nugent was here right now, I would tell him one, two, one, two, three. Yeah. You know, right. So, I mean, it's I, cool. I, don't know. I mean, it's I just cool love performance. Those. It's uh, it's fun watching the a, a Dave A version. 
of Porch, right. you know? Mm-hmm. All his his quick Tom shit he does during that song, yeah. and um, how much he kind of... And every drummer has found their way to do it, but the way in which he led the the band dynamically and jams and stuff like that. Yeah. Because they still do, you know, a fairly close version to that original. It's the meat and potatoes of Porch Live still has a lot of the same parts. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Um, and it's just cool to go back and watch some of those early shows where all that stuff kind of originated. But um, And it is cool, too, to see this, like, from the standpoint of someone that's played a lot of the, the same places and uh, kind of knows the the backstage, like how things work and yeah, set say, times I, and stuff like is that. This, is this place still around and have you ever played there? I've never played there and I don't know if it's still around. I mean, New York okay. City for me was usually stuff like... Uh, Madison I mean, Square Garden. Exactly. The Garden. The gar- um <laughs> No, I mean, like, as far as Club World, it was usually Irving Plaza, which is a place when I was a kid I always wanted to play. I yeah. got to play there a bunch. And then Mercury Lounge is a really well-known place, but it's really small. Still to this day, like, one of the most fun times I've ever had on stage. Because the stage is only, like, a foot off the ground. Oh, and wow. the stage is really small. And the first time I played there, it was sold out, which is only, like, 300 people. And yeah. it's like everyone's packed up front and like people are setting their drinks next to your pedal board and right. your monitor <laughs> and the, yeah. there was no backstage. You walk off stage left at Mercury Lounge and you literally go down into the basement where they store all the extra beer and shit like that. Right. Yeah. Anyway, just watching the show and seeing them kind of like hit the last note of porch and just get the fuck off the stage. Oh, well, dude, you know? that, the ending, like, he staged out. He doesn't even, I don't think they caught it on camera. What? But when he stage dives. Yeah, I don't, I don't think. Like, when he actually like, jumped in, you mean? Yeah, I yeah. think they're, like, on mic, and you hear the crowd screaming into the microphone, mm-hmm. and then they cut back, and he's, like, laying on top of the first few people like right. the first what the front row would be but dude he sings he sings the outro right and then they pull him back on the stage and they fucking yank him so hard dude he goes flying he goes flying because <laughs> like i think i think he steps on the monitors yeah at the same time they're pulling him and he goes flying like into like where the drums are but dude he fucking screams at that point like he Stands up, turns around, and this fucking primal scream comes out of Eddie. Yeah. That is, like, amazing. And his face, the look on his face is like, holy shit, stand back. You know what I mean? Sure. And then, yeah, song ends, and they're gone. And I was like, holy shit. Like, that moment was so quick and, like, ferocious. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I had to rewind that and watch that again because it was like, there must have been so much just... Energy? Energy pent up from being on the crowd and then getting yanked back up and the band ending the song. I mean, that scream he lets out was like, whoa. (laughs) Classic, classic Eddie. Hashtag classic Eddie. (laughs) Now, the other thought I had about while I was watching this show is just remembering like this is before in-ear monitors became so ubiquitous and even 
like when I was touring, I mean, I had in-ears and there was always in-ears available, but I always wanted wedges on stage and I would only keep one of my in-ears in because there's just something about being surrounded by the side fills on the stage and hearing hearing the front of house come back to you and then the the stage noise and being able to feel the drums behind you and i think that adds so much to a performance and getting to see them in that environment in a smaller place all just wedges on the floor listening to each other being surrounded by the sound not having you know sound canceling buds in their ears right um and being able to like really react to the crowd more immediately because that's one of the weird things too about in-ears is unless you have like a crowd mic fed into your mix you don't you don't you feel really separate from the crowd you know what i mean yeah because you can't really hear anything um and it just made me miss like you know examples like mercury lounge or irving plaza those playing those shows when you're you're fucking young you yeah. know what I mean? And you're just like... Full of beans. Full of beans, dude. I don't know. It was just really... It, for a second, it made me miss being on the road. And then mm-hmm. that quickly passed. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it was a lot of but fun. But that stage, that stage is pretty small, right? I mean, yeah. it looks yeah. it looks tiny. It's pretty but... tight. It was fun to watch this show again, though. I hadn't watched yeah. the YouTube version and. In a while, I don't think. Like I said, I didn't even know it was. I didn't know it was. I didn't know it existed. I've had the bootleg forever, so right. I've heard it a bunch. Um, and yeah, I've been listening to it the last the last couple weeks, couple months, and I don't know. I don't know. I think in researching, the video link popped up, and I was like, "Holy shit!" And it's, and it's. It, it does look like it's rubbed with Vaseline, but it is like pro shot, and it sounds it sounds pretty good. Yeah. So that was that's that's it's been a fun couple of days watching that. Hell yeah, man! And that's another thing. Like, just I've heard these bootlegs a million times, and then to put some kind of visual to them is really cool because it's happened a few times. Sure. It's it's a totally different experience getting to watch them. Yeah, you know. Well, especially the you know you hear on the bootlegs, at, like during porch, you'll hear like crowd noise, and you're like, "What happened?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's probably Eddie just jumped into the crowd. Sure, but you can't see what's going on. Right. You know, um, and even nowadays, like they'll be playing "Rocking in the Free World" for eight minutes, and there's a section where Eddie's not singing or saying anything, and you just wonder, I wonder what he's doing. And if you see the video. He's fucking throwing out tambourines. He's high-fiving people. He's pouring wine. You know, that you don't get that on the bootleg. Right. Yeah, man. Thank God for YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Well, we did it. Yeah. Episode 22. uh, New Year's Eve, 1992. New York City, the Academy. Um, Hopefully... We'll have posted something to give you guys a heads up, and maybe if you're off work for the holidays and you want to yeah. take a little stroll down memory lane and watch the YouTube uh, video before this episode ends up airing, but um, that was a lot of fun, man. I'm glad we did this one. Yeah, it was good. You know, I looked at, uh, they played New Year's Eve in 91, 
mm-hmm. and that was with the Chili Peppers and Nirvana, and Ooh. they were opening. Yeah, dude, that's like insane. The shit. Yeah, <laughs> man, that's crazy so, to think about. That would have been yeah. I mean, that's that's I don't know. I just I couldn't imagine seeing those three bands in '91. Like, holy shit! <laughs> I know at the same place. <laughs> right? Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Crazy shit, man. Um, well, again, a reminder, let us know what you thought about this show, the uh, New Year's Eve show. We hope you're having a great New Year's Day yourselves. And uh, you can email us. The email ad- address is singlepodcasttheory at gmail.com. Come find us on Instagram at singlepodcasttheory. Twitter is at Pearl Jam Podcasts. Uh, we've got Facebook, YouTube, all that fun shit. So come say hi. Uh, you got anything else? Blazy. Uh, that's it. All right, cool. Well, we'll see you guys next week, 2018. Here we come. Yeah, uh, until coming in strong. <laughs> that's right. Like an, ang- like an angry 1992 Eddie Vedder. Fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> um, all right, cool. Well, until next time, I'm Brad Lyons. I'm Brad Blazik saying ride the wave where it takes you. Boom. Peace. Thanks, guys. I said no. I'm dead. Ah, that was fine. Fuck yeah. Woo! And the rest of you guys.